It's good to be here this morning. I'm excited about what the Lord has for us today. I'm excited about what He wants to say to us. I'm going to talk for a little while on the subject of authentic fathers this morning. I'm just going to try to release a few things. Uh, it's a mesh. I, I've kind of pulled some things from a, from a message in the past and kind of added some stuff to it and took some stuff away. And uh, we're just going to just follow Holy Spirit. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read out the New American Standard, uh, Jeremiah. Um, so uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, we're going to read verses 14 through 16. I have some announcements. I'm going to go ahead and make these announcements because if I don't, I'll forget them. And uh, I had these things nicely printed off for me, so Tony, I wouldn't forget. Even not on regular paper, it's on cardstock, so I just want to be very, very diligent to release these announcements. First of all, School of Ministry is this coming Friday night, June 25th at 7 p.m., so we're excited about uh, our school of ministry, uh, excited about what God's speaking and releasing through that. So if you uh, uh, are a part of that, we definitely want you here on this, uh, this Friday night, the 25th at 7 p.m. Second of all, next Sunday morning, we're going to be having uh, an installation service slash family dinner. Uh, next Sunday morning, we're going to be installing Lindsay and Tyler as what we're going to deem them called community pastors. Uh, they've already got some stuff in the works, some stuff in the community that we're going to be doing, as well as some stuff, um, uh, just how to bind community together. How many knows that the Lord wants us to be in fellowship one with another? Amen. That's how we grow. That's the, that's the importance. That's the greatest importance of meeting together on Sundays. Amen. I'm grateful for the presence. I'm grateful for, you know, all that God's good. I mean, we want God to show up because he does. Amen. But the one thing that you need, how I many knows God can show up in your living room? Amen. I'm grateful for when he shows up in the living room. I'm grateful when he shows up driving down the road in the truck. You got to pull over because you you're just like snotting and squalling all over the place. Amen. It's great for God can show up. But there's something about gathering together as a family that creates this bond that God has always instituted because he always, he, we know the scriptures, he created family before he did the church. So we're here about creating family. So that's going to be part of their responsibilities is helping us do that. So tomorrow after, I mean, next Sunday after service, we're going to have a potluck dinner uh, just together. Uh, so if you guys don't mind, bring some dishes, some, uh, some meats and some veggies and some desserts and whatever. Uh, whatever the Lord lays on your heart to give, to bring. What we ask is this, is you bring enough to feed your family plus another. If everybody does that, then we'll end up taking stuff home with us because that's what we end up doing. The third thing, Friday night fire is July the 2nd. It's our first Friday night service. Uh, so we're excited about what the Lord's going to do uh, on that night. It's going to be at 7 p.m., uh, and then the following Sunday, this is very quick, I'm trying to get through these announcements. I'm going to try to preach the announcements. But anyway, uh, we're going to go to video announcements soon uh, so we can throw these things up on the screen. Ashton's going to be doing now. <laughs> uh, the <f> on <laughs> the 4th, 4th of July. How many knows that the 4th of July is on a Sunday? It's really odd that it shows you up on a Sunday. happens about every six, five, six years, you know, shows up on a Sunday. But we're going to have it this year on a Sunday. Uh, so 2,000 years, is that what it is? Any, anyway, whatever. Uh, I'm not a math person. She's the math lady. Um, so it shows up on, on, on the Sunday. So we're going to have a time of no church service on the 4th. 
we're going to meet here like we would in a normal service. We're going to, we've got a water slide and a moonwalk that's been rented. We're going to put it in the back for the kids to jump and slide and have a good time. We're going to grill out hot dogs and hamburgers and uh, just spend a good day in fellowship together. So, so we're, we do want you guys to show up for that. We'll be sending out menus and uh, for people to sign up for stuff for that as well by the, for the fourth. For the fifth thing here. Worship night at the Knott's house. If you get here in time, you can see all these announcements that are scrolling on the screens uh, pre-service, but most of you guys show up too late, but that's beside the point. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, so we're scrolling them here. Uh, So the worship night at the Knott's, not shots fired, Uh, July the 9th. That'll be the the Friday night after our first Friday night fire. Uh, It will be at 6 p.m. Dinner will be provided. So you guys don't have to bring anything for that. We're going to have dinner, probably going to have some pizzas. We're going to start at 6, have fellowship, and then we're going to have just a worship night. Ashton's going to lead us in worship that night, uh, maybe. Yes, we'll talk about it. Somebody's doing worship that night. Anyway, so hallelujah. Sixth thing, last thing, and I'm going to get in the Word, is our free yard sale. We have the date set up for that. So if you have anything you guys want to donate for that, we're going to have a free yard sale here on the, twin, on the 31st excuse me, of July. It is a Saturday. See Miss Patty for more details according to that. She's going to tell you where to bring stuff, what to bring, what we need. Uh, We're just going to bless the community. They're going to come in here, and they're going to get everything for free. So uh, we just want to be be a blessing to the community. So amen. So we're excited about that. You ready? ready? Wait, got some exciting things on the horizon here. Amen. Becky, you good with that? Glad you're good with it. Come on. Y'all ready? Let's go to the Word. So 1 Corinthians 4, we'll take up offering at the end of service. Please somebody wave something at me so I don't forget. I believe that the shift that's taking place right now is we are moving from gathering around personality-based preachers and we are gathering around authentic fathers. I believe that the shift that's taking place, you can see it... um, Especially, it, it may not be in like large churches, but you're seeing it in small pockets where we're gathering around authentic fathers, where fathers care, and fathers instruct, fathers lead, fathers are examples. And we're shifting from where we're, gift, we're gathering around gifting and we're really gathering around intimate moments with people. And so we're excited. To, uh, I believe, honestly, that is the shift of of the Lord, and it's going to be needed because let's just be honest, big ministry is not getting it done. I mean, let's just be honest. Our city is being transformed. No, they're not. They're not. Even, even we talked about how that, you know, even uh, the revival that broke forth in, in Brownsville, Brownsville's not transformed. And it was a great revival, multiplied millions of people went to. But, but that did not transform the city. So I believe that big ministry is not transforming places. It's not transforming cities. Um, I'm not saying that they're not doing good things. So don't, don't misinterpret what I'm saying because they are doing great things. But they're not transforming cities. We're going to begin to see people transformed when we, when we learn how to sit underneath authentic fathers. And authentic fathers learn how to pour out of who they are into other people. And when that takes place, you're going to see what's happening in here take place out there. And when you begin to see when it takes place out there, then the city can't help but be transformed. It just literally takes place. 
just almost a second nature or even a secondary consequence of what takes place in a group of community who's chosen to sit underneath authentic fathers that they have chosen to sit there and and because because listen sometimes sitting underneath authentic fathers is very uncomfortable because authentic fathers know how to stretch you. Authentic fathers know how to, uh, uh, to look at what's on the inside of you and say, you know what, you're better than that. And they pull out and they call out the treasure that, are, that is on the inside of you. And because of that, then all of a sudden there's these moments where it becomes uncomfortable. Come on. Come on. How many knows that you cannot prove submission until there's a disagreement? When you disagree with me and you choose to be submitted to me, then that's where you can prove submission. But as long as you agree with me, you can never prove you're submitted. You're just in agreement. Right? That's a tough word for a Father's Day. I get that. But listen, it's truth. I mean, I can remember when, I mean, there's been times, I'm, I'm talking about progress in my life, where I literally looked at the person trying to instruct me, and I said, no, not today, Satan. <laughs> and it was literally the Lord trying to work something out of me, but I wouldn't let it get worked out of me because I wouldn't be properly submitted to that. So, I want you to know I'm more... I'm in a place, I'm more submitted now to a leader than I've ever been in my life. Amen? Amen. Authentic. I believe Apostle Ron is authentic. Amen? Talked to him this morning, uh, and he's a, he tries to take the whole month of July off. He doesn't do a really good job of that, but he tries to. Uh, so he may be here next month, or he may be here the month after. Amen. For those of you uh, that don't know, Timmy is going to be speaking this Wednesday night for us. Hallelujah. He had surgery this past week. How's that going? Throw, throwing the thumb up? Can't throw the other thumb up yet? Okay. <laughs> Amen. So uh, uh, he's going to be ministering the word this, this Wednesday night. All right. So 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Again, we're going to read other new, new American Standard. It reads this way. I do not write these things to shame you but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, be imitators of me. Verse 15 again, For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, I believe the King James and New King James uses the word instructor, countless instructors in Christ, yet you would, have, you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, be imitators of me. So the first thing that as I began to read the scripture, I began to uh, pull out, I felt like Holy Spirit highlighted to me was in the verse of 14. Uh, he says, I do not write these things to shame you. Authentic fathers will never bring shame in their admonishing. They will never bring shame when they bring admonishing. The word admonish here simply means this. It means to indicate duties or obligations to. To indicate duties or obligations to. So it's like this. When authentic fathers begin to release to you what your, what your duty is, what your obligation is, what you're called to do, there will never be shame that's attached to it. There'll never be a place of shame that says, well, Tyler, if you don't do this, then you're just not a good son. 
Amen? So, so what it means, so authentic fathers know how to, as they release what this obligation, because how many knows that they're, start, they're about to begin to walk in greater obligation. They're about to begin to walk in greater responsibility. They're going to begin to have greater, uh, even accountability, I would say, uh, it, taking this position they're moving into. But even in that, I'm, it, is, it would be, it would be, it would be non, it wouldn't be good. Let's just say that. I was trying to come up with a big word, but that just wasn't coming out. It would not be good for me to let him and her say they're going to take a position and then me not tell them what they're supposed to do and then bring shame on them when they don't do what I want them to do. Right? It is my responsibility as an authentic father to understand that I've got to teach you, I've got to release to you what God's what your responsibility is to the Father, what your responsibility is to this house, what your responsibility is to the region. And then it is my responsibility as a father to be able to do that without bringing condemnation, without bringing shame into your life, and not bring, a plow, a bring about a place of, of the way that you used to act in the past toward those responsibilities. You may not have always measured up to what you need to measure up to uh, in your responsibilities what God's called you to do, but that does doesn't mean that you should walk around with shame because you did it. Shame is from hell. Amen? So as a father, it's my responsibility to take you scripturally, verse by verse, as the scripture says, uh, we're supposed to go line upon line, precept upon precept, and to become a person who releases the word of God over your life so that when you hear it, you don't hear it as, my God, I don't measure up to that. You hear it with this intentionality from the Father that says, oh, that's what I'm called to do. That's what I'm called up to do. That's what I've been birthed to do. That's what I've been given the power to do. How many knows that within you already lies the power to accomplish all that the Word's already said for you to do? It's not like I'm trying to get to a place to accomplish this. It's already on the inside of me. It's already on the inside of you. It's my responsibility as a father and those that, I, that, that we have placed in leadership here to father and mother you into a place to where you fully realize who you are in God. Amen? That you fully realize the fact of the matter is you are a son. Because when we realize we're sons, it's just secondary consequence. It's, it's, just, it's just natural to be a son than when you realize that you are. So the first thing that said, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to admonish you. Again, the word admonish means to indicate duties or obligations to. It also means this. It means to express warning or disapproval. To especially in a gentle and earnest way. So authentic fathers are not fathers who look at you and pat you on the back all the time. And tell you that everything you do is, real, is good. There are some times that a father has to, through, through the power and through the word of God, look at you and say, what you're doing is not right. And, and what we've done in this Lucy Lucy grace movement, thank God for grace. Thank God I, I see grace a lot differently than I did when I was coming up. But in the, in one of the things is the pendulum has swung so far to the wrong side is that now you can't take someone and biblically instruct them in what they're doing wrong. 
in fear of that they're going to hide behind Matthew 7. It says, judge not. Judge not unless you be judged. No, the, the scripture says with what judgment you judge, you'll be judged by. We have the right as fathers to look at you and say what you're doing is not biblical. What you're doing is not correct. But again, the first part of the scripture says that he doesn't do that in shame. Right? Abba doesn't do that to you. So you don't have the right to do it to someone else. Amen? Does that make sense? So again, it means to, to indicate duties or obligations to, to express warning or disapproval to, especially in a gentle and earnest way. So Ephesians 6, 4 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. One of the things that I used to do, this is a scripture that I had to work out in my life as a father, as a, as a natural father. Because what I used to do, Ben's not here and probably won't watch the live stream, but I used to do this to Ben. I used to aggravate Ben so bad that all of a sudden Ben would lose his temper. Now, you guys wouldn't believe that. Ben used to have a bad temper. Ashton can remember the days of Ben's temper. Uh, so, so I would aggravate Ben so bad that then all of a sudden he would get mad at me and then he would, he would act out of that anger and then all of a sudden, I'd want to discipline him. So I had to work this scripture out in my life where it says, <laughs> right? Do not provoke your children to anger. Don't provoke them to anger. How many knows it's not a good father that have put their children in a place to lose? As a father, it's my responsibility naturally and spiritually to put my children or my sons and daughters in the Lord uh, in a position for them to win, for them to succeed, for them to be all that they could be, and for me to be a man of integrity to look at them and tell them that they can do. One of the things that, you know, my, my mother instilled in me before she passed away, and, you know, again, she passed away a long time ago now, but one of the things she instilled in me was the, the thought and the idea and the understanding that I could do anything I wanted to. That I could literally do anything. And that's the way I've tried to live my life with my kids. I know I aggravate Jeremiah a lot. But there's nothing, honestly, that I look at my kids and I don't think that they can do. Except be probably an NBA star, but that's beside the point. Amen. So Ephesians 4 again says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And, and, and when we read scriptures, first we understand that he is talking to natural fathers, but I believe also he's giving us instruction as spiritual fathers, how we should be bringing up our sons and daughters in the Lord, how that us as fathers over the house should be looking about people who are coming into the congregation that we bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. The words bring them up has a very 
very neat definition in the Greek. This is what this word means. Bring them up literally means to nourish up to maturity. To nourish up to maturity. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but nourish them up to maturity in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. I believe that a major characteristic in authentic fathers is the desire and ability to nourish their sons and daughters into maturity. Nourish simply means this. It means to promote the growth of or to furnish or sustain. To promote the growth of or to furnish and or sustain. In Ephesians chapter 4, and we won't turn there, but Ephesians chapter 4, Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, and he leaves this, he says, listen, as Christ is ascending, he leaves these gifts to the church. Not offices, but gifts. He says, I'm going to leave some are going to be apostles. Some are going to be prophets. Some are going to be evangelists. Some are going to be pastors and teachers. These five gifts I'm going to leave to the body so that they may do what? Equip and to edify. To equip and edify the body. The word equip in the Greek literally means this, to be thoroughly furnished. So he's saying if, 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 if we're going to desire to be in what we would call the five-fold ministry, then there has to be a desire in our hearts to thoroughly furnish and sustain sons and daughters as they're growing. As they're coming up in all things. Matter of fact, later on in that chapter in Ephesians 4, the scripture says that they, so that they may be able to grow up into Christ in all things. Grow up into Christ in all things. So listen, for all of those people who believe that the gifts have ceased and don't believe that there's an apostles and prophets anymore, do we literally believe that the body has grown up into all things in Christ? So if they've not grown up into all things in Christ, and he said that these apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers would be given to the church as gifts so that that would take place, then we have to believe that those gifts are still operational today. Amen. And I, I believe that we're preaching to the choir. We believe in those gifts. But amen, it is imperative for us to fully understand that part of the responsibility of authentic fathers is to look at sons and daughters and make sure that they're thoroughly furnished. They are thoroughly equipped. It's like we're not going to send them out to do something that we've not trained them and equipped them to do. That's part of what school of ministry is for. Amen, is that we are taking men and women and we're training them. And then we're all of a sudden, you know, and not this month, the next month, Paul's going to be teaching on the kingdom. And we're going to release, we're going to have like uh, uh, exercises. We're going to go out into the community and we're going to exercise the gifts of the Spirit. Is that good? Don't want to pay no attention to that. That's my uh, heart monitor going off back there. It's saying, whoo. <laughs> I feel the Holy Ghost. It's actually the, the battery's going dead, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Amen. I told Apostle this morning, I said, when they told me your heart's going to stop for a second, I got a little scared there for a minute. <laughs> it's not a good thing for your heart to stop. <laughs> anyway. Whew, feel drunk now. So a major characteristic in authentic fathers is the desire 
and ability to nourish their sons and daughters into maturity. Let's go back to our first verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, I mean 4, 14. I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as beloved children. The word beloved here simply means the word dear. It means dear, it means esteemed, it means favorite, and it means worthy of love. I do not write these things to shame you, but, I, but to admonish you as my esteemed children, as my favorite children, as my worthy of love children. Another major characteristic in authentic fathers is the ability to impart an understanding of beloved identity. That we impart that to you, that it's not just something that we teach, but it's something that you grasp. An understanding of beloved identity is the only true way that leads sons and daughters to grow up into a place of full maturity. Because you will never become fully mature by works. You will only become fully mature by an understanding that you are loved by the Father. I'll make you shout. Maturity can only be measured by how well you understand that you are loved by the Father. It can only be measured. Maturity is, listen, maturity, the ability to move in a gift does not, is not an indicator of maturity. Because we see so many people move by gifts and they can prophesy the pain off the walls, but they are far from mature. The ability to move in a gift does not indicate how mature you are. It is only measured by the understanding of how well you're loved. Instructors or tutors, King James and New King James uses instructors, we say the word tutors, can lead you to information. But fathers will lead you to a place of transformation. Because transformation is always the application of information. There's a major difference in being able to teach someone principles and being willing to walk with someone until principles move beyond head knowledge into heart application. It is imperative that we are willing as fathers to walk with sons and daughters as they walk through process of receiving information until that information gets from here into here. Because when it gets from here into here, then all of a sudden it becomes a lifestyle and they flesh the word out and then they become what the word says. It's not about what you can read and regurgitate. It's always about what you read and reproduce. So the word gets in here, we memorize it, we apply it to our hearts, and then out of an application of our hearts, we become what that word says. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And later on in that chapter, the word became flesh. 
It's all about enfleshment of the word that God has spoken over your life through the, word, through the Logos word and the rhema word that God releases to you that you can take that word and allow that to become enfleshed in you so that you walk that word out, not that you just quote that word. Amen? Verse 16, Therefore I urge you, be imitators of me. You know, this is a very powerful scripture. This is a very powerful understanding. Paul had to have like this great, great understanding of who he was to be able to look at the, the if you, how many of that the Corinthian church was the most gifted church, but it was the church also that was the most jacked up. If you read throughout there the, the rebukes and the admonishments of Paul about, come on, there was even so much sexual sin in this church that they were having sex with mothers. This was a jacked up church, but yet they were moving in the gifts. Again, gifting does not indicate maturity. So therefore, I exhort you, be an imitator of me. Paul wasn't saying, don't do what I say, watch what I do and imitate that. Don't just say that, here, I'm writing something to you so that you can make, make sure that you're lining up with his principles. I want you to look at me and I want you to imitate everything that I'm doing so that you know what I'm speaking to you is reality. Today, we have more ministers that are saying, watch what I say instead of watch what I reproduce because we don't have power enough to reproduce what the Word's saying. We just tell you what it says and expect you to go reproduce it. Am I off screen? I'm probably off screen today. It's Jack. It's all. Becky, you got to get back up here. You are throwing me off. You were my, wherever you sat was kind of like where I knew I could go far. Help me, Jesus. So again, Paul urges this, this, this at the church at Corinth, he says, I want you to be an imitator of me. Fathers don't just give instruction, they model it. They don't just say, do this. They say, watch me and I will teach you how to do this. That's so good. How many knows that we don't need instructors, we need fathers. We don't need people who can who can educate the scriptures and, and, and know how to do the hermeneutics and all those things like that. I'm grateful for it and believe that we need it. But man, don't just teach me the word. Show me how to operate in the word. Show me what it means to flee youthful lusts. Don't just tell me not to have sex. Show me how not to. Amen. I remember when I first got born again and boy, you're independent church of God. By golly, all I knew is you couldn't look at a woman. But no, everybody going to tell me you couldn't do this, you can't do that. But nobody had the, the, the knowledge or, or the ability to teach me how not to do it. And what did you find yourself doing? I found myself like Paul in Romans chapter 7. The thing that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And the thing that I want to do, I can't find myself to do it. Because I lived in this unregenerative mind. Let's just be honest about it. 
I mean, I knew what I wasn't supposed to touch. He said, touch not, touch this, don't do that, don't touch that. But he says, I mean, Paul talks about how it's in Colossians chapter 2, I believe. He talks about how that has no, 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 no effect on the indulgence of the flesh. It's only in the fact of you understanding that you're complete will you ever be able to accomplish the, accomplish the fact of the matter that you will not touch these things anymore and that you fully understand that your, come on, your sin nature has been destroyed. I wasn't taught that. I was taught, don't do it. Don't touch it. Don't look at it. Don't even give it place. Don't even do anything. And it was never told to me that I didn't have to do that anymore because that part of me died. And what we do, we found out a bunch of folks who got frustrated in the kingdom, got frustrated in church, went in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, and most of them stayed out more than in. Because we felt like they never could measure up because we had... Listen, I'm not saying we didn't have authentic fathers because we had some of my greatest fathers in the Lord were in that, mount, in that house. I'm just saying that what we have failed to do is we have failed to artic- not articulate things. We have failed to model those things. I mean, this is what Jesus did. This is, Listen... What we need to do, this is heresy. We're about to go close. What we need to do is take Jesus' model of leadership and model it. I don't care how many church growth books you've read. I don't care how many great churches that people lead and then write books about how to be leaders. If they're not leading according to the principles of the Word of God that Jesus, and not even Paul, I'm talking Jesus. How did he lead? This is how Jesus led. Okay, Acts 1.1. Acts 1.1. Luke, who was a writer of one of the synoptic gospels, who was not one of the apostles, writes this. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. I want you to understand that I believe that Paul, I mean, that, that Luke wrote this in order the way that it was done, not in the way that we read it. Well, we think that should be because we teach and do. He, da- he did something, then he taught about it. He literally modeled what the kingdom of God was in the earth and then said, come over here, if you'll sit here, I'll teach you what I just did. If you'll come sit here for a little while, I'm going to show you that a sower's got to go out and sow seed. Come on, I'm not just going to teach it, I'm going to show you. Because he understood that the Father had already modeled that because the Father had desired, he wanted a... Come on. I mean, he wanted a multitude of sons, so he was willing to sow his son into the earth to receive a multitude of sons back. So he understood how to model sowing seed before he was ever born in the earth because he knew the Father had done it. So Jesus is saying, he's like, listen, I'm going to do it, and then I'm going to teach you what I just did. 
He didn't have time to stop and say, hey, Peter, come over here. I'm going to show you how to, how to lay hands on this blind man Bartimaeus so he can get healed. No, I'm going to do it, and then I'm going to teach you how you're supposed to do it because I'm going to give you a commission in Matthew 10. Go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Cast out devils. In worship, the Lord spoke to me this morning and said the... Whoa, I don't know if I need to release that. Okay. We've stirred the witches up again. Just as a leader here, we are under attack. There's some stuff going on. I do not take it by, I do not believe that it was by accident a couple of weeks ago I had to go to the hospital. So there's a, there, there is another 90 days coming. So I don't know when, but we're going we're gonna to bring a 90 days back soon. So, Amen. I'm glad I'm not preaching next Sunday. Jesus was willing to do and then teach. Too many leaders are just teaching the teachings of Jesus without modeling the teachings of Jesus. We've got this thing all down, Pat. We know how to say the right things, to move the right way, to get the crowd pumped up. My God, how many times, how many sermons we got to hear on 14, 22 different ways on how to get healed and we ain't seen healing? Just to be honest about it. I say here a couple Wednesday nights ago, and I'm just gonna be gra- I'm just gonna be graphic. I'm just gonna be honest. I'm gonna be I'm gonna just tell you what's about to take place. I'm just gonna go ahead and lay it out. We're about to see multiple manifestations of demonic presence. You're gonna see people get free here. It's going to happen in the middle of our church services. It's going to happen in worship. You're just going to see demons begin to mount. We had it happen recently. It just didn't happen you know, openly where people could see it, but it was literally happening on one of our last Friday nights where the work, during worship we had demon that was, a demon that was manifesting in someone. It's, it's, it's important for us to understand that we can't just go after healing. We have to go after the totality of it. Because a lot of times, healing is attached to deliverance. A lot of times, someone needs a, a full demonic oppression or possession. We'll argue that or de- teach that, whatever you want to. All it knows is it manifests and we get rid of it. And then you can see healing that comes. And I think this is one of my personal opinions, a personal opinion according to John. That I think that's how some people struggle with losing healing. 
It's because they don't deal with the rootedness that brought, the, it brought it upon themselves to begin with. What did Jesus say? Jesus tells someone after they've been delivered, he says, listen, don't go sin anymore lest a worse thing come upon you. It's all scriptural where Jesus says that when a demon gets cast out, he goes and walks on dry places. And then he says, I'm just going to go back to where I came from. Then I'm going to go back and take seven more mightier than I am. And I'm going to go inhabit where I came from. I think one of the, one of the, one of the reasons the church doesn't grow up in all things is because we have failed to properly teach deliverance in church. Biblically, without shame. But what we've done is we have, we have reduced it to a place of just counseling instead of casting. We're teaching people how to live with the demonic oppression as opposed to teaching them that they can live free from it. That was not in my notes for today, but God bless you.